0: Welcome to The Beauty of Conflict, a podcast about how to deal with conflict at work, at home and everywhere else in your life. I'm Susan. And I'm Chris Marie. We run a company called Thrive, Inc., and we specialize in conflict resolution, stress management coaching, and building strong, thriving teams and relationships, both in person and virtually. On this podcast, we'll be sharing
1: tips, tools about how to make your team, your relationship and even you work more effectively. You can find us at thriving.com. That's www.thriveinc.com. Or follow us on LinkedIn at Thrive Inc. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, I'm Chris Marie. And I'm Susan and we have completed our beauty of conflict for teams season but if you want to check out the book you can go to amazon and buy the beauty of conflict for teams harnessing your team's competitive advantage but today we're going to move into the topic of belonging it's a big topic <laughs> you know <laughs> say more because i think all of us yearn for that sense of belonging to something mm. something bigger than ourselves so that we know we matter
0: and we seek it in a lot of different ways you know Family or our job, our organization, a sports team could even be a country, a church, mm-hmm. a particular religion. There's all sorts of ways in which I belong
1: here shows up. I think we we want that because it creates a sense of identity, uh, inclusion, I matter, and I guess we have we're a herd mentality. Like
0: with more people, I'm safer. So. Can I venture into the horses? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. because The herd you know, comes I, in. Well, yes, because I have a love of the equus work that I'm doing. Equus horse. means horse, yes. just so you know. And horses are... Well, they're herd animals. They rely on being a part of the herd to be safe. And they're probably maybe even more vulnerable than we are. I don't know, very vulnerable animals. They don't have any other way to protect themselves in the wild. They don't have claws. Yeah, they don't have claws <laughs> and their teeth. You know, they can chew grass, but that's about <laughs> it. And if you've been bitten by one, it kind of hurts, but it's not really, <laughs> kinda, yeah. you know. And so they rely completely on this idea of herd and it's and their connection to each other to be able to pick up signs and signals that there's danger and move accordingly,
1: I think connection to themselves and then to the herd, so this inner inner connection to their body and their rhythms, and also noticing the herd and yes and connected there.
0: and then you know if they take off because they have to, they also know how to then. Drop back in and relax. And if you watch you know, a herd of wild horses, you'll see that movement between the hyper-arousal state that they need to do to protect themselves to move, to get away, and then that place where you know, a lot of times all you see horses doing is standing <laughs> there looking pretty damn relaxed, <laughs> and slow, in their bodies, Kind of having a little grass, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so true. And you bring up this point that I really want listeners for you to recognize is this hyper arousal and relaxed. And there's fancier words for us. You may have heard us talk about the sympathetic nervous system, which is really your fight, flight, or freeze response. It's more like, oh my gosh, something's happening. I gotta take care of myself. And the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest. That's the horse eating grass. Yes. And what is different about horses and Probably most animals is they have a, a situation where you see even in a in a herd a horse will raise its head like uh oh what's happening, tails will go they'll start moving and they'll move into that hyper arousal that sympathetic fight flight the threat goes away they settle so they respond and recover but for humans we kind of get stuck in uh, hyper arousal all that we get caught in chronic stress like our system thinks oh my gosh that report being due tomorrow is a high threat situation, but it's not a saber tooth tiger that's going to eat us, but our system doesn't know that. So it's still responding that same way, which is, you know, burning out our
0: ability to recover. Yes. And, you know, these days in particular, Chris Marie, it's even more difficult because we've had this kind of outside the COVID threat. Yeah. This 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 virus that you can contract, but you don't know how you're going to contract it. If you're going to contract it, it's spread everywhere. Now it's a variant. It's something else. It spreads even faster. And there's this high level, whether you're afraid of COVID or whether you're afraid of the economic collapse that might be happening or mm-hmm. the business stress you're under, or, you know, there's all sorts of things that this has created where we are even more so in that hyper arousal state. And how does this relate to belonging, Susan? Because you brought up the horses and we went down this track. We did. (laughs) Well, we kind of diverted from the idea of belonging. But I think underneath it all, you know, one of the things that has come out of the whole COVID thing is this emphasis on equality and where there is injustice, where there is clearly there has been systemic racism. And I think on some level, even there is an issue of belonging that's at the root of mm. all of this. Mm-hmm. And frankly I think in some respects what has gone on like even call it white supremacy colonization all of that came as a result of getting power which sometimes can be confused with belonging. Belonging. Yeah. And they are not the same thing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a good point Susan because I think a lot of times this sense of belonging we talked about this not on this episode but The sense of belonging, really, I feel that sense of belonging probably more when I'm in a vulnerable sense and I'm willing to open and connect. And how we as a society have dealt with our sense of belonging is, I am going to accumulate as much as I can, money, status, power, you know, whatever, and that's going to make sure I belong. And it's kind of like feeling from the outside in.
0: Power and safety are equated to belonging, neither of which has much to do with belonging.
1: Well, let's talk about that. (laughs) Define belonging and what we think belonging really means. Because I think it is this sense of, well, we said in the beginning, this connection to something larger than ourselves. So how come it's not about this larger pile of money that's mine or power or company, you know, this company that's mine?
0: Well... Those are very transitory, you know. Maybe maybe you will collect a lot of power and maybe you have it for long periods of time. But the reality is you could lose that at any point in time. But I think people who really have a felt sense of belonging, it's not gonna go away. We talked about dysfunctional
1: families and how when there's a lot of chaos going on growing up, whether that's because of alcoholism or abuse or whatever it is, kids learn to go, "Uh uh-oh, not safe to be me. I need to make sure I perform the way that these people are going to respond positively so they still take care of me. And I will sacrifice myself in order to create some form of safety and security because it's so chaotic otherwise.
0: Exactly. I think that happens a lot. And what can happen is even if you do belong or, you know, people really have a felt sense of connection to you, you won't experience it because you're not in that state of vulnerability where you can actually feel the connections. You're in a state, you realize you have sort of okay i've been guarding and protecting this is so this is definitely how
1: i grew up i was afraid of the colonel and learned like i've got to be a performer and please and approval seeker and really became afraid of authority figures and even had guilt feelings if i said anything about myself so mm-hmm. i i made sure i avoided conflict and And what happened is I brought that same fear and self-doubt even to all my interactions. And so because I was so afraid of my family, I kind of like, can I get away from my family? I kind of pushed them at arm's distance when I grew up. How can I get away? And I kept repeating that pattern with my rowing team. Like they thought I was there, but I wasn't because I kept pushing them away. Or when we worked at Haven, this professional center, I don't think of myself as a part of Haven. Other people would. Or even the theater people locally, there's this core theater. And I'm kind of, I've always been on the fringes of groups, not feeling like I belong.
0: And yet I imagine there's probably been a few times where you felt like you belong. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I mean, yes. Because this is, I I bring it up because I think it's important as listeners, as you're listening to this, is the way you actually begin to cultivate your own sense of belonging is not so much to anchor it in the situation you're in, because if you thought you belonged on your high school football team, you're not going to be able to ever go back to that. You know, there are many older people who try to go back to things they should not. I had a friend oh. who played hockey all of his life and he was always trying to belong because he was a great hockey player at one point, but he could never get back to that. And it's mm. like, okay. So he's trying to actually
1: recreate the environment <laughs> rather than
0: locate that sense of belonging yes. from
1: within. And the
0: question you know, like to ask yourself is what was it like? What did I feel? And notice, how you track that in your body? what is the sensation? How does it feel? Mm-hmm. Also, you could pay attention to what was I doing during that time that maybe I didn't do other times, and a lot of times it's not you know that I was great. It was like I think of myself as a basketball player and a tennis player. I was a really good tennis player I was not the <laughs> best basketball player. We well, are kind of short. I was, and I, I couldn't shoot. But, you know, <laughs> so you're slow. I'm slow. <laughs> but I felt like I belonged on that basketball. And it came out of a heck of a lot of hardship. No one wanted me on that basketball team, you know, because I was the only white person who was trying out for the basketball team. And they did not want me on that team. But at one point, you know, is this in high school? In high school, you yeah. know, when they were going to beat me up. You know, I just remember this. I'll just use first name, Sonia. She, you know, she just like every time I'd come down the court, she'd knock me down. It Nobody was going to call any fouls or anything over and over. And we're still just trying out. And finally, <laughs> one time, I, you know, she's pounded me down to the ground again. And I'm like, I get up and I'm like, okay, you want to fight? you want to fight? All right, I'll fight you. (laughs) And she just sort of looked at me and she said, it is about time. Like, really? (laughs) You know, I just can't believe that it's taking you this long to finally stand up for yourself. And who would have guessed? I had no idea that that was what was going on. And that was the moment where I realized, you know, to belong wasn't about what I thought it was. Fitting in or conforming. You know, it was like showing up. Mm -hmm. And so many times I've seen that.
1: Well, this, it kind of reminds me, you bring up a good point because even theater, we did a play in the midst of COVID and I would come home and I was like, I don't know, Susan, if I should do it. You know, we're not wearing masks and this will be my bubble. And, and, and you were like, you need to have those conversations with those people, not me. And I'm like, oh, but they'll get mad at me. Maybe they won't like me and I'll be the problem person. But I did, I went down and I had those conversations and it was hard. I was in tears at one point and, you know, but it was real and raw. I showed up vulnerably and we did connect. And I felt a sense of belonging with that cast. And, and it was a very Positive, powerful experience. Yeah. But if I had kept myself away and only tried to, like, tried to, oh gosh, here I am in this scene and we don't have masks on without talking about what was really going on, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have had that sense of belonging. I would have been trying to conform, trying to pass, please. And none of that brings that sense of belonging. Conforming is not belonging. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Get that, listeners? And, Conforming <laughs> is not belonging. And even if you're on the side, you know, because I think a lot of, Cultures have tried to get, you know, you you can become part of our culture if you just adapt it. If we if you just what follow it, our what, rules. What is it that the Borg did? We will assimilate you. <laughs> now there have been some bad examples of assimilation efforts to yes. get and those have nothing to do with helping someone belong. They no. have to do with taking away one's sense of self and sort of, you know, imposing it into, okay, well, now you're this. If you just yeah. become This, Mm -hmm. you know, I did work in, up in the native communities for years up in Canada. And that, that was a huge piece of that process where they had been assimilated, uh, basically and horrific. And really, you know, the thing that struck me when I was there though, is like, and the last thing they wanted me to do is come and try to, you know, buy their culture from them or be their culture either. They wanted me to show up as I was Mm -hmm. and be like, they could exist too. But that is you know, that's equal. It's like no one culture is better than the other. And it's like, no, we have our different things that Mm -hmm. we can do well if we see each other as as equal and that we really believe we belong. Then I don't have to, you know, make somebody else wrong or less than because we each belong for who we are.
1: There's so many different ways I can go. One with the company level, but I just have to make mention because somebody who early in my life made me belong was my Aunt Bernadette. Mm -hmm. Bernadette Bartels Murphy, who just passed away this month. And so it's very fresh for me. When I was a little kid, we were part of the military. We moved around. So often we were living in a place where I didn't feel like I belonged. Plus in my family, I didn't feel like I belonged. And Bernadette was my mom's sister. And so she would visit us no matter where we were on the globe. And she came and um, she would always say, oh, my beautiful darling girl, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wrap me in a (laughs) hug and give me lots of kisses. And And that just lit me up. But then she would also, I was a klutz. And so I often spilled my milk and the Colonel dad would get, you know, all in a tirade about that because it was a mess. (laughs) But she would take me away from the table, put her arm around me and say, you know, I'm klutzy too. And you are okay. Mm -hmm. And that sense of like, hey, I'm okay the way I am not conforming, you know, that Created such an anchor and a touchstone for me throughout mm-hmm. my life for her to keep reinforcing. No, who you are is okay.
0: And um, yeah, I just think that's so powerful. Well, and you know, you bring up Aunt Bernadette, so I'll just <laughs> carry on a little bit more because she was that, it wasn't just you. I mean, I, would, I yeah. was there on your family call when. <laughs> person after person talked about how she was the person who held a space for them when they didn't think they had anywhere else to go. Yeah. That was pretty powerful. She helped that person feel like they could belong in the crisis they were in.
1: Yeah. We had uh, cousins who were gay when it was not okay to be gay and they showed up on her doorstep, Mm -hmm. you know, and she took them in and she didn't have kids, but she made sure we all 13 cousins knew about each other. She created this connection and, I think she almost created her own belonging by helping us belong.
0: Exactly. I I think that's true. (laughs) And not only did she do it with your family – but she was a woman on Wall Street. Now, this was a place where she did not belong. She did I mean, not. It was early in the 50s and it, 60s. And yeah. and even the thing she was really good at, people thought was just ridiculous. Technical analysis. She, you're right. She kept making it. <laughs> she kept sticking to it. <laughs> and not only, you know, there are stories about her when she was on. Go ahead. Well, know. she was on Wall
1: Street Week in Review for any of you old timers. That, that was a very famous show. And she was on it for 14 years. And Uh, my cousin Brian uh, got a chance to go back with her on one of the filmings and go back into the green room. And he saw, she was a regular panelist and they would have guests. And he saw how she connected to the guests, not just as their profession, but also as them as a human being. And he had this one woman pulled my cousin aside, Brian, and said, Hey, I want you to know the only reason I'm at this level in my career is because your aunt early on sought me out and made sure I knew the, you know, what to do and how to progress and that I was supported. And she is a huge part of my success to this day. So she did it to
0: other women in, in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just, so there is someone who really had an internal sense of belonging. And maybe she got it by creating that connection of belonging kind of, wherever she went.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to say, if you want to read about her, I have a link. I have her, the New York Times wrote a piece about her um, and it's on my LinkedIn, Chris Marie Campbell. So it's quite beautiful.
0: So that's why it's up for me in this whole. Yes. One of the reasons why we decided to do this podcast right now was because yeah. of Amber. Amber. Yes. <laughs> you know, and again, belonging is so fundamental and yet, you know, it's not an external mm-hmm. thing. And that's it's an
1: internal state. Well, and it's a felt sense. And I think so much of what can happen that interrupts that internal sense of belonging is childhood trauma, like I was talking about, and this sense of getting caught in the sympathetic nervous system response, which sympathetic is just fight, flight, or freeze. It's where we feel revved up and we've got to do something to create our sense of safety. And... The parasympathetic is the rest and digest and relaxed state.
0: It's more where resiliency lies, and we think of resiliency sometimes as a byproduct of how hard we fight, fight, you know, <laughs> how well we survive. And actually, resiliency is uh, underneath that. It's like yeah, you know, we wrote about the gardening, you know, yeah. and we had Robin on and mm-hmm. talked about the incredible ecosystem that exists in plants in the world in nature. It's all interconnected. And at the root of us, that we have that same type of connecting process. And if you want to know about that guarding article, you can find that on LinkedIn on Thriving.
1: As well, yes. And so this idea, I think what happens is, you know animals you were talking about the herd. they go into sympathetic and then they recover and parasympathetic but we get caught in chronic stress our body doesn't know how to handle that and so we get stuck turned on mm-hmm. and in that we're focused on what is the threat outside of me and what do i need to do to solve it okay. and that's what disconnects us from that internal sense of
0: i'm okay it disconnects us from our internal sense of being okay and it actually disconnects us from everything else. Right. Because without that internal sense of being okay, we actually think of ourselves as an, an object. O- an object and we are separated. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we can get back to a state of our natural interconnection, our actual connection to not just other people but the world around us, yeah. We have an incredible amount of resilience. I mean, this comes up a lot in uh, I've gone through this process. I've I've been
1: a part of Adult Children of Alcoholics, which has helped me reclaim my sense of safety inside my own skin and done other work around that. And when I coach people, it is about developing that internal locus of control and recognizing how often we're focused on the outside. And in that sympathetic, it's like, we're just looking Mm -hmm. for danger. It's like our brain only sees danger, danger, Will Robinson. And so how to actually in the midst of a business meeting, that is an important meeting for you, slowing down, settling and feeling your feet and seat, because you're going to feel connected to you. You're going to have better ideas. You're going to feel safer speaking up. It's Mm -hmm. all going to be different. If you can change your
0: internal uh, sense of belonging, really. Yes. And, you know, we've talked about a number of tools that you can do to do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, it makes all the difference in the world when people think they need to fix someone else, help someone else, do something else. And nine times out of 10, if you can just come back to your own space and be present and hold the space in your own okayness, that other person it's, it is like a little bit like a tuning fork. They pick up on their own internal resources yeah. and they get back into balance, into that resilience. Yeah. It's not because they got it from you. <laughs> they actually, they, they just connect it to their own inner sense of belonging. And this is true if you're a boss,
1: if you're a friend, if you're a parent. And it's so easy to get seduced of, I've got to fix it. I've got to make them better versus settling into yourself and helping them feel their okayness, which by the way, that sense of okayness, that sense of belonging, actually, I believe connects us to our source, our soul, our spirit, and our intuition. That's where we have great ideas. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the podcasts, we talk about how to handle stressful moments, breathe. There's many episodes that if you go back in the during COVID, we gave a lot of tools to help people settle themselves.
0: And I think now that we're in a place of coming out of, not fully out of this, we're still in a place of unknown and various yeah. waves, but there's a little more sense of like, hey, we're moving in the direction to be coming back out in the world, to be aware of, you know, what does that mean in terms of, am I coming out, am I in touch with my own sense of resource, of belonging, acceptance? How do I know that? Because, you know, so many things. Things are going on in the workplace now around diversity and inclusion, around remote or this or that, you know, how it's going to become important to keep tracking where do I belong? How do I know I belong and how can I take responsibility for that?
1: And I guess I would say for you listeners out there is cultivate that internal sense of belonging so that you can settle yourself in the midst of any environment and bring your voice forward. And even if you get a bad response, at least you're going to have belong to yourself because you have your back. Yeah. And I think what's tricky is like um, in adult children of alcoholics, what that means is you're not acting like a child, but you're bringing fear and self-doubt that you learned in childhood to your adult interactions. That's why it's called adult children of alcoholics. And the idea is learning to shift that in the moment and coming back to yourself, like Susan was saying with that breathing, it's like you grow yourself up in that moment and you have
0: more location inside yourself and you have more choice. It's interesting, you know, because a lot of the references you have to ACA, adult children, is very similar to family systems or internal family systems. Family systems is the external representation of it, but it also is you internalize your family systems and you have choices about that. And there's lots of bodies of work about these very things because they are core to Mm -hmm. us being able to uh, tap into our resilience and our ability to connect and, and also do great things from that place. So it's not like we won't Yeah, you know, accomplish things. It's so so interesting, because I think
1: because of how I grew up, I kept achieving and climbing the ladder thinking that's what was going to fill me up. And it never did. And it it doesn't until I stop and fill me up. Mm -hmm. And I think that can happen. We then take that family system. And when we go to work, it's like, Oh, my gosh, you become, the boss becomes dad and, you know, whatever. Manager becomes mom and we start playing. We keep hitting these same dynamics
0: because they're in our nervous system. But we don't like to admit that. No, none of us Because <laughs> the, there's an incredible vulnerability that would come up if we actually started to acknowledge that in the workplace or what was going on and what, you know. I think, actually, I think
1: some people don't even realize it. I was just coaching a gentleman and I said, you see how sound when you're talking about your boss, it's very similar to your relationship with your dad. And he was like, oh, I had never (laughs) thought of that. And when you start to see those patterns, then you have more choice to shift that. And I think that's important with this whole diversity and inclusion conversation, because I think so many of us, feel like, oh, no, I can't speak up because of all the positional power. It's like, dad, I can't speak up to that person because I'm going to get whatever, mm-hmm. you know, fired yeah. is what we usually go to the worst case scenario. And those sorts of systems, that's what needs to have a shift in order for us to have those conversations about, hey, I'm uncomfortable with what just happened.
0: Yeah. I you mean, know? we have now a culture, I think the the younger Millennials, and I think we even have a new one. Yeah, now. I think we have two mm, or three. Yeah, I think so. I'm behind the time. <laughs> Gen um, X, Gen yeah, Y. <laughs> yeah, are much more willing and showing up with that. I'm going to speak up. Mm-hmm. And so then the question is okay, how do we then hold the space for great? And then how do we hold the space so that the conversation can then happen versus,
1: oh, that person still has it. We've got to shut that down and they've got to learn all these tacit rules about who you can say things to and when you can and when you can't, which is just reinforcing that same negative culture, which is what you get in any family. Yeah, You know, when you bring in a new, you know, a new date to the family system, which is true for you, Susan, you came home and with my family and. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. You were willing to say so so, stuff to the colonel that none of us did, and we were all just like, oh, my God, what's happening right now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I remember that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it was a big event. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and you know, I, that's actually the beauty sometimes of having someone different come into the situation. because they The are, company, the family. family wherever yeah. it is, because they're kind of like, what? Just happened like that's not that doesn't make any sense and they will say something and then everyone else in that ripple of time because that you know throwing that foreign element into the system it does send it into chaos and there's the opportunity for it to get re-established
1: and I think that's what our work what we do with companies when those moments come up when we're facilitating a team discussion, we don't let them just go by. Yeah. If somebody is brave enough to say something, we're like, well, okay. okay or we might be the person that says something like, what? What are you talking about? Is, was it your intention? And have that conversation so that people don't just keep reinforcing that old, those old behaviors, but actually start having real conversations. And I, th- I do think change happens when I realize, oh my gosh, I can actually, that was the effect over there on you. I had Mm -hmm. no idea. And I left that in. So I see you as another human being that I'm impacting negatively and I don't want to be that person. And so I want to shift. I think that's when real change happens from the inside out. No amount of like policies or trainings. Hopefully that'll increase my awareness and structurally change things. But it's really this inside piece that Mm -hmm. has to start happening.
0: And I think the people who speak to that the best are the people who step in knowing they already belong inside themselves, because then they usually have the courage to risk and say something that no one else would say. And hopefully, if you're that person, there'll be somebody else in that room who's willing to recognize, wow, I don't know what you just did, but I think what you just said was really important. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, that's how the little nuggets of things will happen. And I fully believe in training and structural change
1: for D&I. And it's really mining those moments and not letting them slip by and really making more of them. And I do and, agree, Susan, that having that
0: internal sense of belonging is so crucial. And if you have that conversation in your family, with your team, in your workplace, how do I know I belong? How do you know you belong? How does this work? Because, yeah. you know, it's not the same. We don't all get there in the same way. Mm-hmm. But it is a powerful conversation to have and be curious about and yeah. be interested in and pay attention to what happens in your body. As that conversation's going on, don't just listen between your ears. Yeah. You know, (laughs) be like a horse. Yes, be like a horse. Settle into your body. Yes. So, if you want to work on your
1: internal sense of belonging and you've had a a family situation like mine, you can certainly check out ACA, ACA Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. Uh, You can also do coaching, therapy, any of those, and we're happy to help. And if you want to have these, really mind these moments and have these conversations, Susan and I are happy to help you and your team really change the culture so that new, new conversations start to emerge. And there's an internal sense of safety that starts to develop both inside the people and in the team.
0: Okay. Thank you. Increase your sense of belonging. Take care. Thank you for listening to the beauty of conflict podcast. We know conflict, stress, and uncertainty can be hard to navigate. We want to support you becoming more resilient,
1: able to speak up, and have healthy relationships and business teams that thrive. Connect to us on LinkedIn at Thrive Inc. Learn how we can work with you, your team, or your company at ThriveInc.com. That's www.thriveinc.com. com.
0: We hope you have a peaceful, productive, and beautiful day. Take care.